0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from a special guest speaker. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to stay in worship. I'm thinking, man, do I have to mess this all up? The worship was so great. And it's great to be in home. I, um, I am from Charleston, West Virginia. Sorry for the accent. You know, There we go. Whole another country. But I... Um, went to Regent, and my wife and I got married, and she says my home church is KPC, but I love you guys. I just want to thank you, KPC, for all the help you've been for years. It's great seeing people like when I was here, Shiloh was like in third grade, you know, to see her now up here leading worship, and to see people um, that from the youth group doing great things throughout the world. It's just awesome to be a part of this church, and it's really a church where i come as I, I just get refreshed i just i prefer to sit there and just listen to your sermons but you get i can't listen to them on facebook in columbia which has been great and i'm just going to give you a brief little review of what we do in columbia and what is columbia columbia just think there's only four million people in an 18 mile 18 by 6 mile square so you see like a picture of our city um in Columbia. So, coming from West Virginia, the whole state of West Virginia is a little 18 by 6 mile square. Like a lot of you guys, have come, some of you guys have came to Columbia, and I want to encourage you to come again, you know. And just come to this overpopulated city, country boy, to overpopulated city, I'm thinking, Lord, you really want me to go to Columbia? And I, I saw these street boys, you see like a little picture here of some plastic and there's a kid underneath there sleeping. And it just, the Lord just touched my heart to have compassion for these kids to go to Colombia, and really what really burned my heart was the young girls, and there's young girls on the streets, and I'll keep this in um, G-rated, you know, but young girls in the street waiting for their clients every day, I'm like, Lord, I'm so happy in America, but I feel like you've called me to go to Julio, and Carlos, and Juliana, and go minister to these people. And I was in a really great ministry. We planted three churches and we did three different street children's ministries. But I noticed that the local Colombians were not reaching out to street children. And I was like, we, what do you want me to do, Lord? And so I was driving through the city doing a, tra- a, a prayer fast, <laughs> driving fastly through the city, you know. And, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, I will give you Invigal, Salonet, and Estragion. That's an influential part of Columbia, Medellin. And I was like, Lord, if you really want me to do that, you got to give me a sign. And I come around a blind turn, come into the city. When I said, "You got to give me a sign," and there was this, and you can see here, a double rainbow encapsulating the part of the city where God was calling me to go. I was like, "Okay, Lord, I will go there." Um, yeah, I just, you know, it, and and so we went with the idea to lead influential people to Christ, so they will go back and help the street children. So. We started our church. We didn't know where we were going to go. We were fasting for 40 days, and all of a sudden someone comes, this is not a Christian, says, I got a place you can have. You don't even have to pay. And I was like, that's a good thing. We don't have money anyway. So, um, But he gave us a place for 16 months free, and the church just started growing. And we did what we did best, and it was going into the schools, like we love children. So we started going to the local school system. Sadly to say, Medellin is the third largest city for sexual tourism. So we were going into these poor schools, trying to prevent these young kids to get abused. And we just started reaching out. And it's interesting, you know, the, you think what's your strategy to get into school as a Christian? Because as a Christian in Colombia, you're, you're the weirdo. You're like an Islamic movement moving next door or something. and. Um, so we go, and we say, we want to come and teach godly values to your kids. Is that okay? And the woman's like, she had a migraine. And she was like, well, I really, you know, I don't like it idea. I don't know who you guys are. And she's like, I really have a headache right now. I was like, can not we pray for your headache? And she says, yeah, you can pray for my headache, whatever. And so we pray for a headache. Immediately, her migraine was gone. And she says, I don't know who you guys are, but you can come anytime you want. And uh, so... So we started coming to that school. We had such influence in that school. They had other schools started asking us to come in and doing these prevention programs. But the fun thing is going out on the streets. And there's Joel and Lacey Hill. And these guys are like the craziest people I've seen in Columbia. Like they went to the worst parts of the town stayed in the worst parts of the town, slept in the worst parts of town, and went out late night hugging and blessing these street people. And it's interesting, like, you take these middle-class Colombians to go talk to a street person. Like, you see them all your life. You have your car window rolled up. Don't talk to them. You're going to get robbed. So you take these people out in the streets for the first time, and they're like, here's your cheese bread, and here's your hot milk, you know. And, but then... After about three times going out, they're hugging him, and they're crying over him, and they're praying for him. And I'm like, hey, put your head on. You're going to get head lice. I mean, come on, guys. But, but the thing is, just to see the local community now start reaching out to their street people and get excited about it. And we've done some fun things. We're going to do another medical trip. We, had, we attended over 1,200 people in five days. You can see a line of people hanging out the church to get in. We did lots of fun things. But you see this bus, I'd like to have you come down, you're more than welcome, Mikasa, casa, and you can get on this bus, we can go through town, you can see the town really good. Um, but many things are going great in our ministry. We have, now we have a church plan, we have over 100 some people that say I'm part of global transformation. We have, uh, we actually started a university. You see a picture of my wife teaching in, in the university. Uh, they actually get college credit from the United States as they're studying in Colombia, So it's been a fun time. But then you ask yourself, what about the street children ministry? So I'm going to show you a video here of what is the next step of global transformation for the girls program. So we should have a video come up. Mi nombre es la edición Valencia, tengo 16 años, eh, tengo tres meses de embarazo y en este momento no estoy estudiando. Ay, yo no sé cómo ella mi conmigo. Cuando yo me en el embarazo, yo le conté a ahorita, le conté a mi prima y pues decidí sacarme. Pero después me dijeron que no, que así como me dijeron yo también la pedí a mi hijo. Ya, pues yo me lo quería sacar porque... Sí, yo soy para los hace muy libre y ya puedes con el primer embarazo no puedes hacer lo mismo que yo hacía cuando estaba embarazada and I, we, um, for the last three and a half years, we've been showing that video trying to get people motivated to help our girls' ministry, and you know, when you're there every day and you see these young girls and boys on the streets, you just like, your heart's just being wrenched out. You see it for a moment, but I see it, and, and you feel it, and, and people ask you for help, and, and you're like, I want to help. I just want to do something, you know, and I just feel like a strong burden, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, we are going to open this home up. It's been four years, and we got to do this, and I know you can provide. And so October 1st, we opened the girls' home. And really, I was thinking, if we open the girls' home, we'll get two or three girls, whatever we can do, but at least we can help these two or three girls get off the streets. And um, I was praying, and all of a sudden, someone calls and says, how you doing with your girls' project? And I told them where we're at, and we were really far from meeting our, our end goal on buying a home. And amazingly, the person told me that God had placed on their heart to help our ministry. And God has chosen to give us an amount of money. And that amount of money actually enabled us to buy the home. So we thank God. We're going to buy a home. Thank the Lord. His graces. And we're excited. We're looking for a home right now. And October 1st, we will open up the doors to our uh, crisis pregnancy center reaching out to those girls you see, reaching out to the girls in the neighborhood you see, reaching out to the girls on the streets you saw there. So I'm very excited. And some of you guys grab a keychain, and if you did, now you're in trouble because actually uh, that's remind you to pray for our girls program we're going to start. If you didn't get one, you're in a foyer. And if you want to get on a prayer thing and be a sponsorship of a child, you can get one of those. So, But I'm excited to open it up and really, like, finally... The crisis pregnancy center is going to open up, and we're going to rescue these girls off the streets and their babies. So, we're excited on that. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your provision. I thank you for the next step for global transformation. I thank you for this place of love here at KPC, and I just ask that you would uh, teach us today. I pray that you would. uh, I've already been touched by you, Lord. I feel your healing power in in my chest. I thank you for what you've already done in my life. And I pray that everyone here will get a touch of you today, Lord. Just ask this in your name, in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So they told me I had to 3 o'clock. But I'll, I'll just go to 2. Um, but childlike obedience transforms lives. You know, this is just a simple, easy message. It's so easy. And so I just want to start off. If you had a glass of water like this pitcher, and, gonna, and, and if I offered you this 12-ounce glass of water, would you drink it? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing, no tricks to it, you know. What about if I said, I'll give you the 12-ounce glass of water, but I'll put nine sh- spoons of sugar in it. Would you still drink it? It's just nine spoons of sugar You would not drink it. Why would you not drink it? Because you, you know it's something not good for you, right? What about if it come in this container? <laughs> and, and we know that it's not good for us. Like our brain says it's not good for us, but our heart Says, oh, please, please. You know, I mean, we have a pizza. You just, you know. Or you're, you're, you know, there's like people are dying texting, that one little second text, rearing cars. Hopefully, no one's done that here, but while you've been, but you know, and so if, I know I'm not supposed to do it, but I, you know, it might be my wife. Just one second. Or you're, like, this is the hard one. This is going to be the hardest one of it all, right? So one two cups of coffee a day is all you really need. After two cups of coffee, then it's just a waste on your body. Anybody have your two cups yet already? Some of you have already had your two cups, right? But we know, like what we're supposed to do. We really know we're supposed to, but we had this thing called a heart. And so Victor Mall it was actually in the book a cross and crossing a switchblade. He said one day, there's a ruler problem. Yeah, because there's twelve inches between my heart and my brain. I just can't connect it. And there's so many things we know we're supposed to do, but when it gets right down to it, we have a hard time connecting. And so I want us to look at a passage today, which is interesting. And I want you to put yourself in Ananias' shoes and ask yourself, how would you respond if God came to you, right? So we look at Acts 9, 10 through through 21. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, here he has authority from chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, On him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, he sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is a Son of God. All those hearing him continue to be amazed and were saying. Interesting passage, you know. You think if you're Ananias and God comes to you, wow, God's talking to me. Whatever you want me to do, God. And then Ananias is like, well, you sure want me to go to that guy? You really want me to do that? And then he, okay, Lord, I'll be obedient and I'll go. And then once he gets there, he goes, hey, I'm in the name of Jesus. And he prays for him and he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he is empowered and he eats and he goes out and tells people about Jesus we have nothing in common with that guy right you know it's interesting verse 10 says and he said here I am and don't we get excited when God comes to us and says, oh I am here Lord I am here I come to church because I don't want it's all about me I got to get blessed I just want to get blessed today I just had a really hard week it's all about me that never happens here, right? Never happens here, right? But we're very much, I mean, when you look in the mirror, you don't—you look at yourself, you know? I mean, really, you know? But we're supposed to be reflection, be imitators of Christ. And so we look in the mirror, we say, do I look like Christ or I look like me? You know, what am I, how am I doing? But here I am, Lord. And it's interesting, Lord, he's actually saying, referring that he is over me, right? You're over me, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, you're the authority. And then what does he do? God says, hey, Saul is praying. Now you think about it. If you had an encounter of God and he's three days, no, no eating, no drinking. I mean, he's desperate. He's crying out and he's praying. And I know some people here might be today desperate. And I would ask you, are you praying? Or do you say, hey, pastor, will you pray for me, pastor? I don't have time to pray. You know, Can you pray for me? I can't wake up early. I mean really are we praying we seeking his face? So I think when we pray and seek his face, we we call God into our situation and our life's change. But he's praying, but interesting enough, it says and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him. Now think about that now. Look all that God is doing. He's going to Ananias and he's saying Ananias, I want you to go to Saul, right? And by the way, Ananias, I've already told Saul that he's waiting for you. It's actually, he even knows your name. He's involved. And I have to ask myself, well, you know, I mean, this is God. This is man has all the power and authority in the world. You know, he made creation. He he made everything. Why did he ask Ananias to do anything? Why did he say, hey, Ananias, I was like... To partner with you. I'd like for you to go and, and talk to Saul. He could have said, hey, Saul, okay, touched. Get up now. He wants to partner with us. It's just so exciting. He wants you and I to be vessels and be instruments of the Lord to go out and share his gospel. I mean, I know he, I can do it. I mean, I only know one person. I've only met one person my whole entire life that was driving a bicycle And he got slammed by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't a believer at all. He got slammed by the Holy Spirit, fell off his bicycle, and got up and said, I know there's Jesus. That's the only person I've I've only met one person in my life. There's always someone's been sent by God to give the good news. We're all vessels to give the good news. It's just amazing. And so many times we think we're like the Lone Ranger, you know? It's like, hey, that guy over there needs Jesus. Jesus. Oh, my. I know, I know I'm supposed to talk to him, but I just feel so embarrassed and scared. And I'm just, you know, I don't want to humble myself. I might be wrong. But if the Lord is laying a burden in your heart, we should take a step of faith. It's interesting, you know, after he gives the excuse and everything, you know, what, what, what does um, Ananias say? But Ananias answered, Lord, have you heard from Lord, but Lord, Ben answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. When I told people in Colombia that I was going to go to the middle, upper class people in Colombia to teach them about Jesus, they were like, why are you going to go to those guys? They don't need Jesus. They have everything. I'm like, no, they don't have everything. They don't have Jesus. They're hurting inside. But we always have like an excuse, like, you know. He, he might not like me if i tell him you know he's such a bad boss if i told him about jesus he might change you know i mean we have like all these excuses why we can't go across the room or like we're in a walmart and we feel like god i mean you go to walmart there's a lot of people we pray for i'm telling you but but you know it's like you can just like totally minister to people if we just like listen to the holy spirit and and but we and and i, I want to ask us a question here who speaks louder in our lives are you ready for this one you ready is it people or God? Are we more concerned about what people think about us, or are we more concerned about God? So there was an interesting thing happened in my Christian walk, you know, from, I, I come to Christ at four or five years old, so I love children. When you say you come to Christ, I totally believe it. And, um, and then from four to five years old until 21, it's like, just don't break the 10 commandments. That's just such a hard thing, you know. Thou shalt not lie my mom caught me again so but the thing is but then one moment like you start hearing his voice and he starts talking to you and he tells you like go across the room to pray for someone it's like oh do I have to obey that too I mean really I mean this it seems so hard it seems harder than thou shalt not lie but it's a progression in your walk and I think God speaks to you if you have a relationship with Christ he speaks to you daily And every moment, he's able to speak to you. And it's just amazing. Just, I mean, I just, God is so much, should be so much more important in our lives than people. I mean, I love my wife. I love you, you know. But she knows if I have my relationship right with God, then my relationship with her is great. A.W. Tozer says some, some harsh words when he said, Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what he says. And, it, and it's sad. You know, how we, you know how that happens to us? We have our routine, right? I mean, my kids go to bed at 6 o'clock at night. I have a routine established in my house. But do is our routine, like, flexible? If the Lord was telling us, like, I'm coming home, honey. I got the groceries in the car. And the Lord told you, hey, take all those groceries and take it to that one person that you know is suffering and just give it all to them. Or would you be willing to take that? Would you be willing to like, you come into church and you just feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, go, and you're like, I don't know if I should go or not. Or are you willing to make a, cha- a chance, right? And I love what verse 15, and I probably had like, okay, Lord, okay, you know. But the Lord said to him, what do he say? Go. I, I've already heard your excuse, just go. And I, would find, and, I, and I think Ananias might be a good, I think, like David, he like tells Jesus, he complains to Jesus, and then afterwards, like, okay, well, he complains to God, you know, he complains to God, and then he's just like, okay, Lord, I'll just do, I'll just trust in your word. I'll do what you told me to do. And I think sometimes in our walk, you know, Lord, I feel like you called me to go to that person. I feel a little nervous. Can you, can you give me the strength to go to talk to that person? I feel a little scared. Take away my fears. I know there's no fear no fear from the Lord, right? I'm oh, sure fear the Lord, you know, we do all the Bible verses. But can we go and just obey? Like, I think it's more or less God comes to us and says, go. Then you're like, well, you know, I don't really want to go. And like, if, and here, okay, this is funny. You'll like this. I'm a, I'm a full time missionary. I am paid to go, right? So I, I get to Colombia. And I'm, I'm starting this church plant in a new neighborhood. I'm sitting this hole-in-the-wall coffee shop drinking nasty coffee, which is true. We send the best Colombian coffee to the United States. Um, it is true. It had aluminum taste in the coffee. That's how bad it was. But so I'm drinking this coffee, and this lady pulls into her, 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 um, the coffee shop to go in and get her, her kid breakfast. And she goes back in the car, and she can't get it started up. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, I'm an aeronautical engineer by trade. and I used to build cars as a hobby. I could probably fix her car. And, she, and I'm sitting there at the table, and I'm praying, Lord, please, Lord, bring somebody to me. I'm literally making this prayer. Bring someone to me so the church will grow. You know, we, we're all in this church, and we want to be able to receive people. Just put people in my path so I can lead them to Christ, you know? And so I'm praying this prayer. I'm, this is no exaggeration. And the lady gets out of the car. She asks the bread guy to help her. And I'm watching, and I'm like, you know, the bread guy, I probably know more than him. He goes, help her. He can't get the car started. I was like, well, so I come down, and I'm like, hey, can I help you with your car? Oh, yeah, please, whatever, you know. So I'm sitting there messing with the car, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm a a missionary. I'm starting a church up here. Oh, yeah, where's it at? It's right up here a block away. Oh, it's right in front of my house when's your service it's gonna be on saturday nights at five o'clock oh it's a great time i'll go and she said i'll go the key come right out of the ignition perfect i mean it's like fixed right there i will go to come right out and i was thinking you know i could have missed an opportunity here i was praying lord put someone in my path i mean it was just like right there in front of me and i was sitting there thinking should i go or should i not go And it's so easy as Christians to say, well, I just second guess it, you know. But think about Moses. You know, I want you to go to the place where they wanted to kill you. I want you to return to that place. Think about Jonah. I know you don't like those people, but go ahead and go. Jesus, I know you're going to suffer on the cross. I know you like to give your cup over, but go ahead and go. The disciples, almost all of them were martyred. And you and I. Like how are we going? Are we going? You know, I was in the Air National Guard, I loved it, and by the way, um, I just want to thank all the service men and women here and your families for the sacrifice you have given for our country. Um, truly thank you. We're gonna clean McLaughlin hard one. Thank you. And 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 I was enjoying life, twenty one years old, already seen twenty three countries, and the Lord said, Hey, I want you to go to Columbia and work your street children. I'm like, really? That's such a change. But that's what the Lord wanted me to do. But then there's like other things, like you could be, you know, they're going to the VBS. You hear something so simple that makes a gigantic change. For me in my life, I remember my VBS programs. It was like the highlight of my childhood. But sometimes we just have to do things that makes us uncomfortable. Interesting enough, he says, go for he is a... Chosen instrument, right? Another version says of a um, vessel, chosen vessel. Mind. Think of it like a precious gift. Think today of the worship, right? If we only had one guitar playing, it would have been good, but it sounded a whole lot better everybody with their different instruments and voices playing. The Lord has, has this, like you got to think, when God's calling you to speak to someone, he's calling you, could be, for a future chosen instrument, and it's interesting enough, he went on to say, "'This is why I told you that no one can come to me "'unless the Father has enabled them. "'You did not choose me, but I chose you "'and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, "'and that your fruit would remain, "'so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, "'He may give to you.'" And you think about that. Look what all that God's doing. I, mean, I know we read those passages really quick, but look what the Father's doing, right? The Father has enabled them, right, in the first passage. The second passage, says, "'I chose you.'" So it's pretty exciting when God says, gives you a little, I like this old word, you ready for this? The unction, the unction of the Holy Spirit, like a pushing of the Holy Spirit. And you're getting pushed to go talk to someone. You're going to be thinking, okay, he's pushing me to talk to that person because God is already at work in that person. He's already chosen him. And I'm going to take a step of faith to be that person to give the good word. Interesting. Samson. I mean, what an instrument chosen. Couldn't get away with his job, could he? Esther, think of all she did, and she didn't even know who she really was and how God had called her for a great ministry. John the Baptist. And then I ask, like, your name. Every one of us are a different instrument in the world. Every one of us have we're husbands and wives and children, and, and we all have a different song to play for his kingdom. Are we being played by Christ, if you want to say. We allow him to actually use us as his instruments. And it's interesting, it says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road. It's interesting, so now Ananias comes to the house and his introduction is, hey, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, you remember that guy that blinded you three days ago? I'm coming in his name, okay? So don't kill me or put me in jail. But it's interesting, when we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's totally different. When we come in, you know, I got my master's at Regent, I got my doctorate at Gordon-Conwell, you know, I got all these degrees, you know, I'm an American, I'm in South America, that goes nowhere. But when you come in the name of Jesus Christ and you say, I came here because Jesus put a burden on my heart for you, it transforms lives. It's the name of Jesus transformed. Life. It's not my name or my knowledge or my bank account, or that bank account, we wouldn't do anything. But anyway, but the thing is, is what God has put in our hearts. And so, and interesting enough, so when I don't know our church in, in Colombia, they don't really like Christians. They think we're loud and obnoxious and always raising our hands and playing uh, what you call it panderetas in Spanish symbols, you know. I mean, you have to go to some Spanish churches. I love them. I love them to death. But you have to like, kind of watch yourself. You might get hit in the head with a flag or something. Um, so that's, that's the image. And so when you go to, like, the middle upper class, you're like, oh, you're one of those people. I'm like, yeah, we're one of those people. Um, so there was these three ladies in this little convenience store. And they're like, and we're doing our church plant right beside the store. And they're like, who are you guys? And before I can say anything, are you Pentecostals? Are you Charismatics? Are you Jehovah Witnesses? Are you Evangelicals? So like, they had all these names and titles, and I'm just like figuring out which one's the worst here. you know. And um, when it all got done, I just said, you know, we're just here in the name of Jesus. We're just here to love Jesus and let Jesus love through us. That's all we're here for. You're more than welcome to come to our, our church service. Within six months, all of them ended up in our church. We worship the Lord, yeah, thank the Lord. Awesome. And, and, and I'll give you a funny story on one of them. Just to kind of, um, one of them. You know, you think going, you think you got to go with the Bible in your hand and step on where they have the Bible, and that will get them to go to church. You know, one of them was that there's shih tzu, what Was it Shitzu? It's like a German Shepherd Shitzu dog. Some big gigantic dog. Got a fight with the Chihuahua, and the Chihuahua lost. And So anyway, he lost the eye over the whole ordeal. So I. Said, y'all don't have a car. If you want to, I can help you pick up the dog at the veterinarian. They're like, oh, yeah. So that was the whole thing. They couldn't believe that a pastor would care enough for them and their dog to go pick up their dog at the veterinarian store. It's a simple little service love. And that just totally transformed that lady. And she started coming to church and come to Jesus. And sometimes it's not like I have to go pray for someone, sometimes it's just bringing a big old thing of. uh, what do you call it? Banana bread. That goes a long ways, you know. But just whatever God's placing in your heart. So, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last part is, I would, this is a challenge to me. Is to live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Another person said, "Your life as a Christian should make nonbelievers question their disbelief in God." And interesting enough, after he went to the house and he talked to uh, Saul, what did he do? And immediately began to proclaim Jesus. And I think like in in this area, there's hundreds of people that are like Saul, just waiting for you and I to bring the good word to them. Just to come tell them that Jesus loves them. To come pray for them. And they will proclaim Jesus. They will go out and proclaim Jesus. It's simple steps of faith. Simple obedience. It's nothing like, you know, church is great, but really church is to empower us to go out and to be able to be a light upon this world. And, and you know, the, I, I got this message the other day, and I like this, is if you were accused of being a Christian and placed in front of a jury, would there be enough evidence to convict you? And I read that, I was like, well, I hope so. But, you know, like when we come to church, we would get convicted because we're here Sunday, you know. But Monday through Saturday, how are we living our lives? And how are we live our lives... A life of faith. And, and I don't want to finish with this. And I had, I had a dream years ago. I was in Columbia. It was about three o'clock in the morning, a very vivid dream. And the dream was that the, the, the dome, like the, I was stand outside the church and the light, like the presence of God, the glory of God come through the dome and like lit up the sanctuary, lit up, but it didn't lit up the sanctuary as much as it lit up the people. So then I'm standing outside the church and as I'm standing outside the church, I see people walking out of the church glowing in his presence, kind of like the Chikina glory <laughs> glow. And they come out of the church, but they didn't walk. You walk past your cars and you started going to the neighborhoods and you started telling people about Jesus. And that's more or less what happens when the Christ comes into us. We get excited. We don't go into the routine life and we tell people about Jesus and his love to be I, I like your, your statement. What was it to be joyous? What was the the vision um, statement for the church? The mission statement? A life, a life of worship is 24 hours, seven days a week. We become contagious Christians, and when His love is in us, we're just contagious in His love. And people like my wife, and you know, we have people our neighbors who still haven't come to the Lord yet. We're still praying for them, but they come to my wife. It's like Everything you ask God, you get. Can you pray for me? And so we need to be living a life of faith. So I'd like for you to stand up. And let me just pray for you. Let me pray for you. You know, Lord, I said this was an easy message to preach, but it's a very uh, extreme message to live. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help my brothers and sisters here to live in a way that uh, we are constantly listening to you, that we're able to hear you through visions, we're able to hear you through your audible voice, and respond to what you ask us to do, Lord Jesus. We thank you for being in a church that believes that you're just as alive today as you was when you wrote the scriptures, or even before the scriptures, and we just thank you that you're alive in our hearts and Lord, I just pray that um, you would empower each person here, Lord Jesus, to hear your voice. And for the ones that haven't heard your voice for a long time, I just pray that you'd open up their ears to be able to hear. For the ones that have been desiring to hear your voice, I pray that this week you would start opening up their ears to be able to hear. And I pray that we would take steps of faith in you. We love you and we thank you so very much. Thank you for listening to the KPC podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.